Hey everybody, welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you decided to join me today. We are heading into possibly our last sermon or teaching on this topic of who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is going to be actually, I think, part 12. And we are going to finish this with a couple uh, attitudes of the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you've been blessed by this. I've tried to put as much into this as I can of just basic components of who the Holy Spirit is to really for the benefit of anybody out there who doesn't uh, know much about that topic. They could go online, go on our website, breadtuttleministries.org, or uh, on onto our YouTube channel, Brad Tuttle Ministries, and they can listen to those sermons and they could get uh, the teaching on this so they could, they could you know, gather this information for themselves. I think it'd be a real blessing to people that again, who don't know, or someone maybe you know, someone you know who doesn't know who could benefit by this. So I'm going to step right into this. We are in Who is the Holy Spirit is a series, and we're in today's top uh, title of today's sermon is The Fruit of the Spirit, Part 3. As you know, this, this is the third of three parts, and first we talked about uh, the fruit of the spirit of love and joy. And then we dealt with last week, the fruit of the spirit of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And then we're going to end it today with gentleness and self-control. And these are really good ones too. So again, I think what's so great about this is that it really makes you look at yourself and see if you are living in the fruit of the spirit. And remember, everybody who is a true believer who's listening to this right now, you have the ability to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, each one of these, because it lives within you, and you can grab a hold of that, and you can function in that fruit. Amen. So again, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to, I'm going to go ahead and read what we've been reading the last couple of weeks, verses 16 through 24, and then we will tackle these two attitude fruits. All right, so Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. Apostle Paul writes this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Again, I say this every week, I've done this, but this is the key to life as a believer. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So again, we're going to learn about a war here that's going on inside of us between Spirit and flesh. And if we walk according to the Spirit, we'll have great success in life. If we walk according to the flesh, we're going to reap uh, what the flesh has to offer. Verse 17 says, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, these are deeds, these are works of the flesh that people will, that show them in the flesh. Things like immorality, impurity sensuality, all kinds of sexual stuff there, perversion and lust, idolatry, sorcery. Again, I said this last two times, if you're in the horoscopes, not stop it as a believer. That's, that's not of God. Enmities or fighting, strife, jealousy. Another one, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying those who do these things on a consistent basis, you probably will look at your life and realize you're not saved because you're always living this way. 
Now, a true believer can, can fall into this at times. That doesn't mean that they will not inherit the kingdom of God, but a true believer is born again, and you're still fighting your flesh every day. He's saying if you practice them, but this is your consistent lifestyle, you're probably not saved. And if you're not saved, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And then he switches in verse 22 and uses this word of contrast, but, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. So in contrast to all these deeds of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So instead of acting in impurity, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, and so on and so forth, you will, you're, you will, the fruit of the Spirit you can operate in is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In verse 24, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, right, with its passions and its desires. I've heard my wife say about these sermons, she likes to brag on me, but... Um, She's never really heard anybody break them down like I have to show what each of these really, it, uh, what it really means. What is love? It's one thing to just read it, but what is love? What is love? What does it mean here about love? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What is love? What is joy? What is peace? What is patience? And I think it'd be very vital for you if you have not listened to the first two to get our first two series sermons in this part three series here to get back and to listen to those. So we'll go ahead and continue on in this. And so we're going to come to the last two, the first one being gentleness. So a fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And I, I, since I've been doing this, I've been checking myself. Do I walk in love according to what I have taught? Love, joy. Do I walk in peace? Do I walk in patience? Am I kind with people? Am I, am I, do I live in goodness? Am I, do I carry out the fruit of faithfulness, which is someone who's trustworthy and someone who's loyal, someone who can be counted on? Do I carry out the fruit of gentleness? We'll find out today. And then lastly, self-control. So gentleness, prautes in the Greek. It describes the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. As well, prautes is a quality of gentle friendliness. Is that you? Gentleness, meekness as strength that accommodates to another's weaknesses. That's that's really important to remember. So you got gentleness, consideration, restrained patience, patient trust in the midst of difficult circumstances, gentleness. So we're talking about, they use the word in here, meekness. Well, meekness is not weakness. It is strength held under control. It's power kept in reserve. That's what meekness is. It's not a bad thing. It is not something, it's not, again, it's not weakness. It is actually strength held under control, power kept in reserve. Steam does the most work when it makes the least noise. Not a few of us need less noise and more poise. I'm rhyming here today. Things need not to shatter to matter. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. He's a rhyming that. Spurgeon on gentleness said, this does not push itself to the front and does not easily get provoked. Gentleness. Are you gentle with people? Woo. Are you gentle to your spouse, to your mate? Are you gentle to your children? Are you gentle to your dog? Are you gentle to your workmates? Um, some people are very hard, stern, severe, quick-tempered, passionate, but the true follower of Christ will be gentle and tender even as who? Jesus was, right? Jesus was, he's all these. He was um, a man of, God-man of 
gentleness. Proutes, the Greek word, denotes the humble and gentle attitude which expresses itself in particular in a patient submissiveness to offense, free from malice and desire for revenge. So you're living your life in the ability that when you come into certain circumstances that could normally set you off, you are operating, you are, uh, you are reacting to those situations in gentleness, in gentleness, in meekness. It's controlled strength, the ability to bear reproaches and slights without bitterness and resentments. Let me read that again. That's a, very, that's a very important one. The ability to bear reproach and slights without bitterness and resentment. It's the ability to provide a soothing influence on someone who is in a state of anger, bitterness, and resentment against life. Have you ever been there before when you've been around somebody who is just in a state of anger, even about all, you know, I've been around people, they're so angry about all the stuff that's going on right now. They're bitter, they're, resent, they're filled with resentment. Um, that's gentleness is an ability to provide, to be a soothing influence around them and to almost move them out of that state of mind they're in. The word indicates an obedient submissiveness to God and his will with an unwavering faith and enduring patience displaying itself in a gentle attitude and kind acts towards others. And this often, it's always in the face, it often happens in the face of opposition. You are reacting to opposition this way, in gentleness. It's the opposite of arrogance. It's the opposite of wrath and anger. You respond to situations in gentleness. Again, Proutes describes power that's under control. You don't you don't fly off at the hand. You don't fly off the handle. You don't react harshly. You don't react in anger. You don't react with foul words. You don't react. You are power under control. Oh, you could, but you're not because you're a man of gentleness, a woman of gentleness. So you have that power that's under control. Um, gentleness is the right use of authority and power. It's the right use, the proper use of authority and power. The meek, again, the meek person does not have to fly off the handle because he has everything under control. A person of gentleness who's operating in this fruit has got everything under control. They're not, they're not freaking out about stuff. They're not flying off the handle at, even at situations or at other people who are bringing negative situations into their life. They're dealing with them and they're not retaliating with resentment. Again, Jesus is the perfect picture of this. Quoting from the Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, version of the Hebrew Old Testament, Zechariah 9.9 predicts the Lord's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Matthew, the writer here in Matthew 21.25, uses the adjective form of praetaus, praetes, excuse me, which is praus, to describe Jesus as gentle. There's the word, praus, right there. It's an adjective form of praetaus. Gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. So Jesus is a gentle, he's a man of gentleness. Remember, he's, talk about having power under control. So when he was on the cross, as he's being uh, spit on and all the things that's going on, uh, that are happening to him, he, uh, he had power under control. He didn't respond and retaliate. 
um, and his in, in his appeal to his followers, Jesus used the same adjective about himself. He said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle." There's that word in the Greek, and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. So he even describes himself as a man of gentleness. James and the book of James uses prautes in his discussion of a teachable spirit, instructing his readers to. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, there's that prautes, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. So a person who operates in gentleness, an aspect of that as well, they will have a teachable spirit. Um, they, they put aside, he's saying they put aside all the filthiness, uh, they put aside the wickedness, in humility then they receive the word of God. That's how a gentle man responds to things. Um, it describes the perfect conquest and control of everything in a man's nature. Wow, you've got power under control. You've, you have uh, control of everything in your nature. It pictures strength under control, specifically the Holy Spirit's control. And the evidence of this attitude is a deliberate placing of oneself under divine authority. I've, I've told people this um, once I, once I knew it and once I understood this, but if you can't place yourself under divine authority, you will never go anywhere with God. I'm talking about believers. If you can't submit yourself to divine authority, to God's authority, then you will never accomplish a lot for the kingdom of God because you have to be able to do that in gentleness um, is an attribute of that where you are, your attitude is that of placing yourself under divine authority. A believer's attitude towards unbelievers should always reflect a spirit of gentleness. Um, I saw that in my life today, uh, being around someone out in the world. And uh, I, I, I recognized the person's personality when, I, when they first came into my space and around me. And instead of reacting to that personality, I grabbed a hold of, this came flooding back into my mind, and because I just studied this, I, I made a point of responding back to that particular personality and kind of the way the person was acting with gentleness. And I'll tell you something, it, it, uh, it changed the whole atmosphere because I could have let it affect me where I was responding differently and, you know, um, but I didn't. I responded in gentleness and everything, it just changed everything. So it made the whole atmosphere different. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 3.15 that even when unbelievers intimidate us, we should still, he says, sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. In other words, if you're out witnessing to people, and to an unbeliever, and they are uh, trying to come against you, and they're trying to buck up against you, and trying to intimidate you with whatever their their you know their reaction and their anger and uh, their hatred and all those kind of things. You respond in gentleness and reverence. That's how you're going to win people over. You don't win them over, even if they walk away. Your response of responding in gentleness will speak volumes to that person. So that maybe after they've walked away, they'll think to themselves, I acted like an idiot, and that guy acted very 
godly. Again, lastly, in gentleness, the prerogative of great strength is to be gentle. The prerogative of great strength is to be gentle. All my life when I was, uh, even as a believer, you know, because I was bigger and I worked out and stuff, people always want you to react, uh, you know, man, get, get on a man. And I've always never done that. I've always been able to, even when I didn't know what I was doing, I always tried to make a point of responding to people um, in this way. And I'm telling you something, it, and, and especially from, an ask, from a point of view of evangelism, um, it, it can really open up doors to, into people's hearts. For first of all, you're giving them the gospel. And if, again, if they react to you in hatred and anger and, and uh, words, you respond with gentleness and with reverence. And that could open up the door to them uh, one day coming to trust in Christ as their Savior. And believe the gospel that you gave them because they saw your life and how you responded to them. While they were acting like an idiot, you didn't. While they were acting in harshness and, and anger, you did not. And so, again, that will speak volumes to them. So that's gentleness. Now we come to the last one, self-control. And this is probably, I guess this could be the most important one because if you don't have self-control, then you don't have any of the other ones. You're going to always react like a, you're going to always react wrong. Um, so self-control here is huge. Um, if anybody wants to be a person in the ministry, you have to be a person of self-control. Self-control. The Greek word means literally a holding oneself in or the ability to take a grip of oneself. That's where we get the phrase, get a grip. That's a person of self-control. They have a grip upon themselves. The Greek word refers to the restraining passions and appetites that originate originate from the old self. You are able to restrain those things we talked about earlier when we read them, sensuality, immorality, impurity, when those things, those fleshly attitudes try to come up into your life and out of your mouth or cause you to react to them with some type of um, lusting or whatever, you you are able to self-control gives you the ability to restrain those passions and those appetites that yeah you used to once walk in to be self-controlled is to not live in bondage to the desires passions and appetites of the flesh anybody who has who's in the church i don't say the church but anybody who's a true believer you have every ability to overcome the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. You have every ability to overcome that because you've been given this fruit of self-control. So we have no excuse. There's no excuse for a man to cheat on his wife. You have th this fruit of self-control. And I could go in down many rows, but I'm not going to go there. But you, could, you have self-control to, to deal with whatever lustful things tr is trying to pull you back or get a hold of your life, you can walk and live in self-control. The physical human body is a good servant, but it is a miserable master because your human body, your flesh wants you to get involved in those deeds of the flesh that we mentioned a little bit earlier. The only one who can control the fallen anti-God energy of the flesh is the Holy Spirit. So he is there to help you operate in self-control. Our part is to walk by the Spirit. Acknowledging that we don't in ourselves, we don't have the power. We have the power through Him. 
We need to cry out to the Holy Spirit in the time of urgent need when you're about ready to succumb or give into those fleshly appetites. Um, when our flesh, fleshly impulses feel like they're about to overwhelm us, um, we need to cry out to the Holy Spirit, cry out to the Lord. We need to trust in God's provision of power to walk in the Spirit. Amen. And we need to submit or yield to the Spirit's leading, guiding, and empowering. And in the end, experiencing the victory of Spirit-enabled self-control. Amen. There's a lot of people in prison today because of a lack of self-control. There is a lot of men and women of God in church today who are not living that uh, excellent life because of a lack of self-control. There are true born-again believers who are not having the effect they should be having with their life within the kingdom of God because they are not living fully in self-control. That's a big deal, man. Charles Spurgeon on self-control said, this keeps every passion under control, not only with respect to meats and drinks, but with regard to everything else. This fruit of self-control keeps every passion under control. And as most believers have discovered, self-control is far from the world's concept of self-help. Um, in Romans chapter 7, Paul alludes to this dilemma and he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. So Paul dealt with this fight, this constant daily fight but he lived a life of self-control. He did not give in. He was a man just like we are. Whatever his fleshly desires, whatever things try to appeal to him, he was able to overcome that and have self-control. I believe that's why he was so victorious in all the things that he did and accomplished so much because he resisted and overcame through self-control those, those attitudes, those deeds of the flesh that would have tried to take him under. Um, one commentator wrote this. He said, by temperance is meant self-control in the broadest and fullest sense of the term. We need to go into training for Christ and to keep ourselves spiritually fit at all times. Hear all this right now, you who want to be in the ministry. For we never know when a critical test may come or a golden opportunity arise that will call upon our spiritual reserves. To this end, we should be prepared to give up whatever mars our witness and hinders usefulness in the master's service. So let me say that again for all you that are wanting to do the things of ministry. You never know when a critical test may come or a golden opportunity will arise that will call upon your spiritual reserves. To this end, we should be prepared to give up whatever mars our witness and hinders usefulness in the master's service. Wow. In some ways, like I said earlier, we might consider this virtue, this attitude of self-control the most important because without self-control, the works of the flesh cannot be overcome. You've got to have self-control. Um, and then the other, if you don't have self-control, the other elements of the fruit of the spirit will not be evident. So this is your base of operations. It is self-control. You are living a life in self-control. And because of that, you are living a life of excellence in Christ. You are making a great difference within the kingdom of God because you're living as one who's living their lives as like Christ. Amen. Um, 
Paul used a lot of analogies in regards to uh, athletics, and especially when he used the topic of self-control. He, he talked about um, athletes who exercise self-control. They do that because they're motivated by a clearly defined goal. And they understand that in order to achieve that goal, um, they must, at least for a time, resist the distractions that originate from their bodily passions and desires. So they have a self-control so they might attain uh, and, and achieve that goal they have. Well, it's the same with us. We should all have a goal in mind spiritually. Whatever that goal is, what do you want to achieve in your life for the kingdom of God? You have got to keep under control those things that would keep you from achieving your God-given goal, your God-given desires to build the kingdom of God. You've got to keep those things in check or you will never accomplish all that God has called you to accomplish. Um, Self-control. Uh, it's actually the result of letting the spirit take control so that we're walking in him, we're walking by the spirit, we're keeping in step with the spirit. And we go back all the way to the very first verse in the section of scripture verses we read, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You've got to walk in the spirit, amen? If you walk in the spirit, you're gonna be a man or woman of self-control. Um, while And we mentioned the athletes. While athletes say no to these uh, desires or things that would get them off their goal, they are able to find strength to overcome that. Well, same thing with a spirit-controlled believer. We're enabled to exercise supernatural self-control in the strength of the Holy Spirit. So again, we need to have a spiritual desires that we want to accomplish for the kingdom of God, and we need to make sure we keep ourselves in check in order to accomplish those things. While the amount of time we have on this earth, we don't want to waste this time by being sidetracked by fleshly desires because we've not tapped into the ability to have self-control, right? What a waste of time. What a waste of life. What a waste of our life to waste a minute on giving in to fleshly desires that would hinder or mar our ability to be effective for the kingdom of God. Amen. When we say yes to the spirit, we cannot say yes to the flesh for they're in opposition to one another. That's why you're always living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, Jesus, when he was uh, in his incarnation, he was the epitome of self-control. He was never tempted or tricked into doing anything or saying anything that was not consistent with his father's will. Again, he left us an example uh, to follow in his footsteps. The writer of Proverbs, the book of wisdom in Proverbs 16.32, talks about the subject of self-control. And he says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. That's self-control. You're one who rules your spirit. You rule over your flesh. You walk in the capital S spirit, you rule your flesh. You keep it under control. In other words, the writer is saying here that it's easier to gain victory over a city um, than to conquer someone's temper. And that's why you need self-control. So you're able, you don't have to respond with a bad temper. I, I understand that even men and women of God who are truly born again, can have an outburst from you know time every every once in a while maybe that's something that you deal with but that's not the pattern of your life that's not the pattern and how you live your life on a consistent basis if you do 
then you ask the Lord to forgive you. And then you, again, walk in the spirit and fight that temptation and live in the spirit and be a man or woman of self-control and overcome all that stuff. Amen. Um, in my own strength, I cannot control the overwhelming, powerful, compelling urge sometimes. And this is a lot of people to lash out. But the spirit is, uh, he's gentle. Uh, and he can uh, control it. He can help me control it as I yield my rights to him. And so I need to give up my fleshly desires to react a certain way, to lash out at people and to uh, work out my salvation in the area of anger management. I just saw a relationship between two people uh, uh, that was in my context of my world that reacted to each other one uh was was saying something to the other one and the other one just turned and lashed out with lashing out is a great word for it lashed out with verbal assaults and uh he he repented for it he was sorry for it later but you know what it does is it it leaves a uh, it leaves a little bit of a testimony Unfortunately, you know, for someone like me, not unfortunately for him, I will forgive that and go on and say, okay, anybody could, could um, fall to that. Anybody at times can, you know, you're tired, uh, you know, you, you, your body hurts or whatever, or, you, you know, you're aggravated because you didn't get enough sleep and then you react wrong. I get it. We can all do that. But um, we need to be people who uh, don't live like that. That's not the way. You, but what I was trying to say is that when we do do that, like if I was, if I was working my secular job and there was a situation that came up and because maybe I didn't get enough sleep, it was hot because I work outside. It's hot. Um, I'm aggravated <laughs> kind of cause you're tired and you I don't have enough food because I eat all the time. And then someone does something or says something that aggravates me that could aggravate me. And if I would lash out, um, that's in a way that is, I would normally not do. That's going to, people are going to react to that and go, wow, I can't believe he did that. And then they tell somebody and they tell somebody, and sometimes people don't give you a break and let you, um, let you, you know, uh, kind of make a change there. They're they're They've now been stuck with this, this visual of you reacting in anger and hatred or not hatred, but anger and you're retaliating with words, whatever. I won't do that. I haven't done that. But if I did, we need to check ourselves. We don't want to ruin our testimony. I said all that to say this. We don't want to ruin our testimony by being someone who is a person of, of, of who has not self-control. You know how many people I've grown up with uh, through my years of life who were given great talent? You know, I think about Pete Rose, probably one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived. But because of a lack of self-control, he has got he's not going to be put into the Hall of Fame. You know, and that's a that's an example from a secular point of view. How about pastors who um, have you know works of God and they got big churches and this and that and they give into their lustful desires and they they make they they step into this situation and guess what? Now they're removed from the pulpit. That is a lack of self-control. And that lack of self-control just hindered their ministry and really affected a lot of other people because they were an example of someone who doesn't do those things and how they did it. And it, it mars a lot. It mars your testimony and it affects a lot of the sheep. 
That's simply because a person did not have self-control in whatever area of their life they needed to have self-control in. Amen. So this Greek word is that great quality that comes, uh, which comes to a man when Christ is in his heart. So Jesus lives in your heart. You're walking by the spirit. Um, you will be a person of self-control. Self-control means mastering one's emotions rather than being mastered by them. Get your emotions in check and, and live as a man or woman of God. Amen. Um, we can't, and, and I'll say this is kind of a side note. You can't take off, uh, you can't have a spiritual hiatus where um, you take time off from dis, from disciplining yourself for godliness. You can't do that. You can't, you, you, you don't remain static spiritually. You will drift back toward the subtle seductive lures of the world you will you've got to be always pushing forward spiritually that's why i kid around and i tell people when you go on vacation you're not taking a vacation from prayer you've, you're not taking a vacation from living in self-control you don't live as a believer and then you go on vacation and woohoo party party you don't live your life like that you go on vacation you still get up in the morning and pray you still read your bible and, uh, and you just include this vacation time in it. And, um, but you're still, you're still the man or woman of God. You're still living a spiritual life. You're not um, taking a spiritual hiatus because if you do, I guarantee you it's going to catch up to you. And you will begin to fall back into things you shouldn't be falling into. So you need to always maintain that spirit of self-control. Um, so to be self-controlled, uh, to be spirit-controlled results in being self-controlled. Spirit-controlled, self-controlled. Spirit-controlled, you'll be self-controlled. If you're spirit-controlled, you'll be self-controlled. Live according to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You'll live as a self-controlled man or woman of God. Amen. There is an active responsibility on your part. It's not just sitting around and uh, just let go and let God. Uh, someone said, if you're striving, you're not trusting. No, I'm striving to move forward. That is an unbiblical uh, point of view to just let go and let God. And I'm not going to, I don't need to do anything myself. I'm just going to, God's going to make me. Nope. You got it. You have a responsibility here to tap into the fruit in your life. You have a responsibility here to walk by the spirit. That's why we got to be praying every day. That's why you got to be seeking God every day because it helps build you up in your most holy faith, living in the spirit, walking by the spirit. Paul wrote in Colossians 1.29, For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So it is a moving, it, you just don't sit around and hope God helps you do it. You are pushing forward on your own. You're playing a part in this responsibility of walking as a man or woman who walks in the fruit, who lives according to self-control or the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, you submit yourself to God's will. Amen. A, you, if you're a self-willed person, uh, you will act in your own selfish desires and you will disregard God's will. And that's not a good place to be. That's not a man or woman of self-control. You need to be a person that has the responsibility and the ability to yield our self-will to his revealed will. I live my life according to the will of God, and I set in motion the fruit of the Spirit that will equip me to attain that. One Bible commentator said, believers, because of Christ within them, possess the potential to control their temper, to exercise control over their desires, 
the power to say no, the power to set godly priorities, the power within them so that they can turn off the television and go to bed early so they can arise early to be fresh with God in the morning, the self-control to get out of bed in the morning, to be alone with God, etc. I used to think, man, I'm, am I getting old because I want to go to bed earlier? No, I want to go to bed because I want to get up and be fresh and so I can spend good quality time with God. There's nothing wrong with going to bed a little bit earlier if it's going to equip you to get up in the morning earlier so that you can make sure you spend time with God and build yourself up in your most holy faith so you can walk out of your house into the world a man of God or woman of God who is living in the Spirit and walking according to the Holy Spirit. Amen. That control is within us. And if we're diligent, we, we, we will see, if we're diligent about this, we will see results. Uh, we'll see God work in our life in a great and a mighty way. I guarantee you, if you live by the Spirit, if you walk as a person of self-control, you will see God work mightily in your life and you will accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. Amen. So in closing, I ask you a question. Are these nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit something that uh, you do? Do you live this way? Are these nine aspects of the fruit of the Spirit something we do or the things the Spirit does for us? Clearly, he is the planter and producer, but we have the responsibility to choose to live according to the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit. Every believer has the potential to bear a bumper crop. You can walk in the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit and then you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. And sir, ma'am, you will live out your life on this earth as a man or woman of God within God's kingdom, accomplishing mighty things for God's kingdom. Amen. Live according to the word of God. Live and walk in the spirit and you will be controlled by the spirit and you will live your life as a fruit producer. People will look at you and they will see something different about you and they will want what you have because you made a choice to live according to the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for this uh, series on who is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for giving this to me, the desire to do this. I thank you for um, this, this three-part aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. It's very challenging and encouraging. I pray as we've talked about gentleness and self-control today, I pray that every one of those who are listening right now, they would activate in their life true gentleness. They would activate in their life, God, that meekness, that power that's under control. They would activate that self-control that equips them to be able to say no to the flesh and yes to the things of the Spirit. Lord, you got so many things for them to accomplish within your kingdom. I pray that they would make a decision today to set all these fleshly things aside and to live according to the things of the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to, to pray in the Spirit, to do everything they do according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you. I pray the blessings of God upon their life. I pray that they would walk in the fullness of who you are. I pray they'd walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray they would walk in that Pentecost power and they would be the witnesses that you've called them to be in this world that's so lost and so dark. This world needs them 
to live their life in a way that they are filled with that power source of the Holy Spirit. So when they live their life, that fruit can be seen. And when they open their mouth, the gospel can be clearly heard. I thank you for these things. And we give you the glory and the honor for all of them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me. We're going to be moving into a new topic next week. I'm so glad you've been a part of this. Go back, listen to all of them, point other people to them. I know they will be a blessing in your life. Amen. Until next week, live all out for Christ. Amen. God bless you.